0: Today's discussion is with our good friend Ray Sifu. Ray is the president of the Professional Fighters League, a six-time world champion in kickboxing and Muay Thai, and a three-time combat sports hall of famer. This is a great talk. Hope you guys enjoy. Thank you. Hey Ray, I just want to say thank you for jumping on here today
1: with us today. How are you guys doing? Good, good, good. It's been a long day. I had to. Uh, I was up at five thirty this morning. You had to do a webinar thing. Um, with uh, another sponsor of ours, but it's good. And then I had to coach, and then, so it's been kind of like one of those long days already, but it's all good.
0: It's good to see you so active still kind of in the fight game. I mean, obviously, you're president of the Professional Fighters League, but right. it is kind of cool to see you continuously giving back to the sports you uh, partake in.
1: Um, you know what? I thank the good Lord every day. I'm so fortunate to still be part, even though that I've retired from competing, um, being, you know, the president of Fight Operators for Professional Fighters League and coaching, um, it it keeps me in the game. And I guess that's one of the reasons why when people ask me, well, you know, uh, are you itching to get get in there again? Uh, That hasn't really been the feeling because I'm still in the game, so to speak.
0: And you've probably also taken all the mishaps and dealing with promoters and all the craziness on your side to make yourself that much better of a leader moving forward. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously,
1: uh, you know, with all the experiences, uh, like you said, you know, dealing with promoters, dealing with matchmakers um, and everything else as a fighter, uh, it gives me that upper hand, of understanding what fighters are going through, what they need, um, how to kind of attack certain situations with, with ease, if you will. So, yeah, I'm fortunate to be in that spot.
0: Was there any trepidation on your part
1: kind of launching this
0: league? I mean, obviously there's got to be some fear, right, that, hey, people might not watch this, but now you linked a deal with NBC, so that's incredible.
1: Um, you know, when we started with the WSOF, that was one of my first things that I uh, mentioned to my, my partners uh, was that uh, we needed to get a TV uh, network deal. Um, otherwise, it would be just another local show. And, you know, at the time, we had uh, fighters like Anthony Johnson, uh, um, um What's his name? Uh, Jake Shields, um, John Fitch, you know, we had all these big names, Andre Alaski. And so, yeah, so we had all these big names that was part of of the team at that time. And, you know, obviously it was a huge um, success in terms of getting getting that meeting with NBC and, and a massive thank you to NBC back then too because, you know, they... They help us get on the map. And um, now we've been with ESPN for the last year, for the last season. And, you know, obviously the season this year has been um, postponed due to the uh, pandemic. And so uh, it's tough that the whole world is dealing with this uh, COVID-19. But I think I'd rather deal with, uh, have all of us together dealing with the same thing than, you know, just one part of the world, if you will. Right.
0: And obviously you're adapting because this definitely did affect every right. industry, especially sports. Um, and so it is cool to kind of see you guys obviously keep your heads up. And once this clears out, I think the 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 rush to sporting events and people watching is just going to be amazing.
1: Right. Right. No, you know, um, there's you know, obviously Bellator's uh, doing shows, the UFC's doing shows, um, a little different for us because the the format is it takes like eight months to complete. You know what I mean? And then we have 25 countries that are involved in the in the season. Um, and right to this, you know, right now there's still certain countries that can't fly to the U.S. Right? Um, and so you know, it's a, a little tough to kind of start the season. And we're already in August, so we're heading towards. Uh, mid-August already, and uh, the season, you know, like I said, it takes eight months to complete. And so, uh, but right now, you know, there's, there's, uh, we're working on a few things to try and uh, do a few shows or a couple of shows uh, by, the, by the end of the year, um,
0: around November, December.
1: How did you get started
0: at a young age to kind of lead into to this career path?
1: Well, you know, at five years old, my dad. You know, I come from a a boxing background. Um, My dad, my cousins, my uncles, everybody boxed, and so at the age of five, my dad uh, gave, handed me my first boxing gloves and taught me how to, you know, um, move around and how to box a little. And by this, the, I want to say by the age of seven, uh, my dad had rented um, a Bruce Lee movie and a Jackie Chan movie, and I think it was. One was Fist of Fury, and the other one was uh, Drunken Master. And I was just cool. You know, um, I was like, wow. That, you know, I want to be able to do what these guys are doing. And, you know, they were doing jumping kicks, flying kicks, you know, um, being able to, to um, fend off two, three, four, five people. You know what I mean? I'm like, I, I want to do that. You know what I mean? And so um, that was kind of like the first um, falling in love with martial arts, and then I think by the age of 12, um, while I was at uh, high sc- year high school, um, I uh, was uh, working as a, as a uh, milk boy, delivering uh, delivering milk, and so I would earn enough money to pay for you know martial arts um, lessons, and I joined a club, and the rest was history. <laughs> Did you and your
0: brother Ronnie fight growing up a lot? Or is there kind of a, uh, like a normal sibling rivalry?
1: Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I, I mean, uh, Ronnie, and I, I, out of all my siblings, uh, Ronnie is, uh, and I are probably the closest. I mean, you know, um, I have another brother that uh, lives here and uh, lives in Alabama. Uh, I'm very close to Herman also, but uh, Ronnie and I Grew up together, we have we always been tight. Yeah, I think when we were kids, still, you know, we would um, have disagreements and whatnot. But I think, you know, by the time we were uh, young adults, um, we realized that, uh, you know, we were helping each other a lot more than we thought. And, um, and of course, I started with martial arts and then Ronnie joined. Um, and, you know, he had, uh, had a massive career himself, and, um, but yeah, no, I, I love him to death. He's, uh, you know, he's one of my best friends.
0: But Yeah, I'm always wondering when they siblings that are on the same type of uh, career path, how, like, the Thanksgiving holiday dinners are, if there's any of that kind of backhand slapping going on.
1: <laughs> no, because Marty, I mean, you know, Rani is a, um, a beast, and um, we, you know, when I was five, uh, competing, uh, he'll be the coach. When he's fighting, I'm the coach. So, uh, you know, obviously, uh, we had other training partners, um, uh, the likes of glauber um Francisco Filho, all these guys, Five and more, and a couple of others, um, Aaron, Neil, um, Clay. So, you know, there was a, a really tight unit of us um, that uh help with training and, and um sparring and whatnot.
0: So you're a six-time world champion kickboxer boy tie. My question for you is what if there is a difference, what is the difference between kickboxing and boy thai?
1: So kickboxing uh, Muay Thai um, full Muay Thai rules you're allowed to use elbows, uh, knees, grappling. Um now in Muay thai, like Piu in Thailand, um, those are, you know, you see a lot of uh, grappling, a lot of knee fights. In MMA, you pummel in this way. In Thai boxing, you move, you pummel up to the neck to try and control the person. Um, And, you know, like I said, there's elbows allowed, low kicks allowed. You pretty much uh, could kick anywhere uh, except the groin and the throat. Uh, You can pretty much punch anywhere, again, except the throat and the groin area. Um, where in kickboxing, uh, I believe back in the old days, PKA rules, uh, you can only kick above the waist. Uh, there was no leg kicks. There was no elbows. And um, you had to throw, I think, eight kicks per round, something like that. Um, and then Obviously, Muay Thai started to uh, creep into the Western world. And then, you know, they were taught how to do low kicks and whatnot. Um, but there was no uh, – I think there was no knees. But so, uh, you know, in the last 20 years, that's changed a lot, you know, um, with low kicks. And I think most, most kickboxing gyms now, um, uh, you know, um, train low kicks, train knees, elbows, and whatnot. Especially with the the, the, the evolution of mixed martial arts today, um, uh, all that is now you know uh, part of the game now.
0: Right. It's kind of cool. I mean, I remember watching some of the first UFCs where anything outside of shooting the person was legal, and now right. you, and now you kind of see where the rules have changed to help, obviously with concussion, CTE injuries. So right. it, must, it must for a, a sport is, for me visually as vicious as Muay Thai, kickboxing. It's cool to see that there is precautions put in place to actually protect the fighters.
1: Well, that's right. Um, you know, when the UFC first started, there was no rules. <laughs> um, you know, and when you know uh, Dana White and the Cheaters uh, bought it. Uh, they put rules to it, and it, I mean, look where the sport's gone. So you know, it's just this massive, massive phenomenon that's um, just taking the world by you know storm, and uh, the fastest growing sport in the world. Um, but everybody does it now. <laughs> uh, every man, uh, woman, kids—you know—everybody does it. Uh, which is really good to see because I think, uh, especially with some of Craziness in the world, uh, I really think that everybody should sort of learn how to uh, do some sort of form of martial arts.
0: Well, there definitely is a sense of like you said perfectly. Like even for it to be become more self socially aware, and God forbid something does happen, it's cool to be like have that background. Like I can fend off an attacker for DB or right. So it's definitely they're definitely life saving skills that you can pull from any of those martial arts.
1: Exactly, exactly.
0: So in Hollywood, a lot of times these movies will showcase like these boy type fighters kicking trees and bamboo and smashing stuff with their, is there, like, is that really, does that really go into the training? Or is that more of like a, let's make this look as cool as it's, possible? It, uh, no, it doesn't go into training,
1: but we do, I mean, you do, uh, sh- uh, you know, um, strengthen your shins by um, some use of, you know, uh, a glass bottle to rub your shins out. Some kick sandbags that are really heavy bags. Uh, a friend of mine, Hans, likes to break baseball bats. What? <laughs> yeah, he's he's crazy. Uh, but um, yeah, you know, uh, the, all the other stuff is all more fancy stuff. But uh, the training itself, like hardening your shins, is like you know, like I don't know if you've ever kicked a sandbag. Like a, 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 a yeah,
0: I mean, maybe out of just joking around, goofing around, but the fact that you're yeah. able to condition your body like that—it's so state.
1: heavy, you know, so heavy. And when you hit it, if you're if you're not conditioned properly, it feels like you you you're kicking steel. You know what I mean? And, um, and but that's you know that's how you condition your shin uh, and kill the nerves in your shin.
0: It's. It's very fascinating. I it's great. You fought a ton of incredible legends in the sport, Jerome, McDonald, Ernesto Hoost. Right. Do you ever watch those videos still this day and kind of kind of quarterback yourself and see I wish you did something different? Or do you just kind of do you take or do you take your knowledge from those fights to help your fighters and put that towards
1: Yeah, Yeah. I I mean, you know, uh, obviously, you can't dwell on what you could have done, and you know. um, But they are great memories because it allows me to just be grateful and be thankful that I had the opportunity and the skills to be able to compete with some of the best fighters in the world. And, um, you know, some of these guys have fought three times. Some of these guys have fought twice. You know what I mean? Uh, some I fought four times, and it's just um, you know. I look back on yeah, sure. Do I do I learn from those? Yeah, absolutely. Especially when uh, when I'm coaching, uh, it, you know, definitely. Uh, but the, the when I do come across a fight here and there, whether somebody posted it or um, put some sort of short form of it on social media, and then I go back and watch it and. It's just, um, you know, again, it's just, uh, I'm just so grateful. And, you know, the, some of the names, Peter Hertz, Jerome, oh. Mike Bernardo, uh, you know, the, the list goes on. And uh, they're just, and some of those guys are, are good friends of mine now.
0: That, um, I watched that Jerome fight probably once a week because I always uh, save YouTube videos. And right. Everything about that fight, it, it just felt. But like even still when you watch it out, just the, the pictures from it and the, the way the crowd was reacting, like what you think at that time for that sport, probably like the Tyson Ali. I mean, you guys were just too broad, just going at it.
1: Right. Um, I mean, the the round fight was, you know, was also a, uh, an amazing one um, because I, I think what surprised me the most was that uh, we were able to take each other's uh, biggest shots and, and still be there. And the funny thing about that, when I'm traveling the world, the first fight people come up and say, or talk about it. Man, that fight I saw with you, Mark Hunt, it's crazy. Um, So, you you know, um, it's it's just uh, a great feeling to know that you were part of that history. Right. Um, You know, and so um, a lot of these guys, like I said, they're, a lot of them are friends of mine and we stay in touch all the time. Sam Greco is another, you know, and, um, it's just, uh, we've, we've, um, um, bonded, you know, because what see a lot of people don't understand is that when you share the ring of the cage with some of these guys, you know, they take a piece of you Um, and, and I take a piece of them and it's just, uh, just, um, the feeling of knowing that, uh, you have, you know, nothing but a lot of respect for these guys. Um, but yet we were able to just <laughs> be in there and uh, just compete to win. Um, uh, but it's, you know, uh, it's moments like that that you never forget. Now, you mentioned uh, Ernesto
0: Hoost. I know you fought him a bunch of times. Right. Someone like that who is so well Like, was there ever – like an ego towards each other or like a hatred or do you with any bitterness, like fighting these people you fight all the time? Was there any kind of like, like rivals?
1: No, I've never, I've never been that fighter. Um, I, you know, um, I've always been very respectful to uh, everybody that uh, that's in the game. Um, and so I've always gotten that respect back. You know what I mean? And, and so um, I, you know, um, I've never, like, you know, so again, like I said, um, like I said, is that, you know, we, we stay in touch from time to time. And I just just before I jumped on here, I saw a video of him and Peter Ertz and Sammy mm-hmm. Schultz and the uh, guys in Bulgaria. Um, I think they were having dinner, but I think they were there doing a seminar or whatnot. Um, and I just said, man, so good to see you guys together, and that kind of stuff. Uh, but no, there was no animosity. There was never. Um, a situation where I felt like I hated or mad at somebody, you know. Uh, every now, and, I mean, every now and then I hear, oh, so and so said that, uh, uh, you know, he's gonna knock you out and this and that. I'm like, okay, great, right. Once the bell rings, we'll find out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the one fight, a very kind of, I watched just because I'm kind of like not horrified, but. When you fight Bob Sapp, that guy is so insanely large. Right. And, and before the bell always rings, and say what you want about him. The fact he does what he does, it gets to that ring every time. But I'm looking at it, I'm like, how is the, the, the sheer size of him, does that change your kind of fighting philosophy if the opponent's that much bigger? Or do you kind of just go in there? If your <laughs> techniques are odd, your techniques are off.
1: Yeah, you know for me it's like the bigger they are, it's the odds the better it is. The bigger the challenge is for me, the hungrier I am. You know what I mean? I I, I, I like that challenge, you know what I mean? And so uh Bob Sapp was a, a guy that stood what six foot seven, six foot eight, oh, god um, three hundred and seventy pounds. And he didn't have any take much of technique to him, but he was just a big strong massive man, you know what I mean? And um and I know, you know, um, that's one fighter that, you know, that obviously Inertia was upset with because, oh. you know, um, and not so much upset but disappointed that he wasn't able to put him away because, I mean, the guy outweighed Inertia by almost like over 150 pounds. You know what I mean? And um, so, and it was just, it wasn't, I mean, Inertia is such a technician and such an amazing fighter uh, and to lose to a guy like Bob, who is just a big, big strong guy. And, you know, um, with, with that kind of size, throwing bombs at you, if it connects, you know, you're going to get hurt. It doesn't matter who you are. Um, and so uh, with Bob, with me, I found that he was an easier fighter for me because I was able to be, you know, I can stand on the inside and, and go toe-to-toe with him. Um and so once that happened, um, obviously I stopped him in the fight and won. But um you know, uh, he's a t- i mean he's the type of guy that that I love to fight because he's a big strong guy. Um and I always like to test myself like
0: <laughs> Right. Yeah, it's just funny when you watch the video you're like, man, you know that guy is so large, but
1: right. He went in that fight, I think I want to say he was about 370, 360. And what were you at that fight? Uh, Two thirty. It was it a heavyweight or like after anyway, What are the weight classes? Well, in in in, um, in K one there was there was no uh, weight limit in, in heavyweight. Once you were, um, I mean, I remember Cal Kalai from Thailand. Um, he, I want to say he must have been uh, one eighty five. <laughs> uh, maybe 200, uh, one, you know, uh, 185, 195 most I think, um, and he, he fought in K1. So K1, uh, obviously if he was a, a you know a, even smaller than that, then they wouldn't allow it. But um, he was the smallest guy that fought in K1 everywhere at the division, uh, and crazy enough, he did so well. I mean. He stopped, you know, Mighty Mo, um, yep. and he beat some of the other, you know, big heavyweights. Um, and I was matched up against him, but, but that's the thing with K1. There was no weight limit. Um, you could be as big as I mean. When I fought uh, the the other big uh, biggest guy that I fought was seven foot two, three hundred and sixty five pounds. It was uh, a from Korea, you know. Um, yeah, so. Uh, they're big guys, and they are dangerous because they're so heavy-handed. Um, but for me, the, I, I've always liked that challenge. It's when you look at the cheer size of you guys, the fact you're able to do
0: what you do with, at the speed you do it, for me, that's very – it's kind of scary. And it's, it, it, those fights are awesome to watch.
1: Yeah, no, it's uh, – you know, those, those years and those times were just amazing times um, in one's life, uh, especially when you're competing – Just the thought of competing with some of the with the best fighters in the world is um, it's just such an honor. You know what I mean? And uh, people have asked me, so you know, what's the toughest fight? I said they were all tough. Yeah. um, What's one fight that stood out? I said, listen, for me, it was every fight stood out. Every fight was. um, I was just so thankful and honored to be part of it. You know what I mean? And so. their there memories that you will, uh, you know that I will take to my brain.
0: right? How is the pro- the mental process? Obviously the physical part, but when you do the Grand Prix like the tournaments you've done them eight times,
1: right?
0: Mentally, that's got to be yeah. Like how do you? I mean, I, it's, it's, it's 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 what they do in a fight every three months, or but to go and do those type of tournament type things, it's got to be crazy.
1: Yeah, it's um you know it's okay when. Wow, it's <laughs> when I say it's okay. I mean, uh, and, and I guess you know, and I don't mean to make light of the situation because it isn't it isn't that light. You know what I mean, like, uh, but because I've been in it uh, several times, and um, when you get in there and the fight, you're able to win the fight with less amount of injuries. Um, and of course, the best way to do that is by stopping somebody or knocking somebody out. Um, then you get you have a lot more time to recover. Uh, you have less bruising to kind of ice down. But when you go into um, a fight where it's a grueling fight, and then you kind of come back, I remember when I fought Peter Erz in the quarterfinals. I I won that fight, but you know it was a, it was a tough fight. Um, by the time I was getting ready to kind of walk out again, funny enough, I was supposed to fight Bob Sappen. Um, in, in the quarterfinals, I uh, started in the semifinals, but he, um, which I found out later, faked an injury because he didn't want to come out again. Um, and so, Nesterov came out, and the game plan—you know—I <laughs> you know, had already bruised my ankle, like I torn ligaments in my ankle to the point where I could barely put weight on my on my ankle. And so, this is where this mental uh, strength comes in. And um, when I was walking down the, the ramp towards the ring, uh, when my music came on, I, I, don't, I couldn't, I mean, I didn't feel the pain at all. Uh, obviously, it was different when I started kicking on it and my leg went numb. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, the, 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 the mental side of it is um, it's just as important as the physical side. Um, but you got, you know, as they say, uh, being a fighter, you, you got to have a little bit of craziness in you. Right, but I mean, you
0: also take fights on short notice too. And that is to put right,
1: yourself right. Out there, to
0: put yourself out there like that. I mean, that's that takes balls. Yeah, and you know,
1: um, there are times like, for example, the um, the first time I fought uh, Sammy Shields, I was sick as a dog, and I had um, you know asked to be pulled from that card, and and K1 was so. Uh, you know, was begging me to, to kind of stay on the card, and they were asking me just to be in there for a few minutes, uh, or for sorry, not a few minutes, a few seconds. Um, and but I'm not that kind of fighter. I'm the kind of fighter that if I'm willing to step in there, then I'm also prepared to get knocked out. Um, and so, um, fortunately, I didn't at that fight. But the mental side of it, yeah, you really gotta dig deep, and um, it really, it really questions. Uh, you really question your manhood when you finish one fight and you come back and you got to get physically and mentally ready again to go back out there again let alone do it three times you know what I mean and so uh, you really got to uh, go deep in your mind and body and soul um, whether, this, whether you come out for it and of course um, being a little crazy um, we all come out for it <laughs> No, it's so true. The
0: crowds there, in some of those fights, they seem more into it. So, I don't, is that like a cultural thing? I mean, you obviously, you fought over the world. And it must be, you fought right. Brazil or New Jersey or New Zealand. It's like, you're, the crowd's going to react differently. But the, some of those fights, even the ones that you're kind of like, who are these people? The people are into it. And I love that.
1: Right, right. The, the Japanese fans, uh, like when the fights are in Japan, the Japanese fans, I mean, I love the Japanese fans. Um the German people are just amazing fans. And, uh, I mean, listen, you're in the Tokyo Dome, uh, seventy to 80,000 people live, and you can hear a pin drop in there. But then as soon as the, like, there's some, you know, massive action, then they go crazy, you know what I mean? And uh, then it goes quiet again. <laughs> I love that. Uh, and then there are crazy fans like Brazil. I remember when uh, we were in Brazil um, where our coach Vito Balfour, um, and he was the main event in that, in that card. And I, um, I, oh, it was uh, Mike Pyle. Um, so we came out because Mike Pyle fought earlier in the card uh, where, where um, Vito was the, the main event. And I came out with Mike and uh, Coach Gil and a couple of others. And it was crazy because Mike stopped the Brazilian guy in the first round. And that was the first time. Like Joe Rogan was talking to Pete uh, to uh, to Mike Pyle, like here, and I literally was standing maybe two feet away, and I couldn't hear them on the mic because the, the fans were screaming so loud that it, and it was so loud in there that it was you know um, it was kind of scary. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, no, you're right. I mean, fans all over the world are different. They react to the game different. And, uh, but Brazil definitely love, you know, love Brazilian fighters and, uh, and right for so You know what I mean? Um, and so, yeah, it's it's different everywhere you go.
0: If you're working with an upcoming fighter, I mean, a lot of this stuff, these real things you've done, like you, it's they can watch it. But how do you kind of tell them that, hey, the crowd changes the fight? The Like how do you kind of get people prepared for a fight that are just jumping into this?
1: Um. You know, as a, as a, as a fighter, you, you basically, um, you, you just tune everybody out. Um, the only people that uh, you tune into is your, is your coaches. And, you know, and sometimes that's great. Um, but I want to say most fighters uh, are able to tune everybody out and just kind of hear, uh, the instructions that the corner is yelling out. Um, but then sometimes even then, you know, sometimes even even during those times when the fight is happening and uh, there's, there's a lot going on in the fight, you can barely hear the, the corner as well. And especially when the when the, the fans are, you know, are being really loud in, in the arena. So, um, uh, you know, uh, you try and get that message through. But uh, fighters, you yeah, you, you generally tune um, the, the the fans out and, and try to focus on the voice that you hear every day in the gym.
0: Yeah, it's it's crazy. Also, you, you, some fighters will talk after; they'll be like, "I didn't hear a single person in the crowd," or "I only heard my coach." And you're like, "Man, there's sixty thousand people here." And the ability to process and just do that laser focus, right, right. That's that. It's so fascinating.
1: Yeah, and that's just it. You know, that's part of uh, the, the discipline that um, what martial arts teaches. You know, you got to be laser-focused not only in, in your game planning, uh, your training, uh, your, the, your uh, opponent uh, or your sparring partners. You know, everything has – because everything happens like a blink of an eye and um, your, your, um, your vision, your timing – all that has to be, you know, 100%. Or um, if you lose that uh, or if you're you're a beat behind, uh, you can lose the fight line.
0: What is the best thing about the extreme couture, your gym? What's the best thing about your gym?
1: Oh, just the family um, feeling that we have, you know, as a team. uh, you know, uh sure we allow you know, anybody to come and, and train with us, but there are core cool guys, uh our core cool guys that uh extreme couture guys from, from the get-go that uh from the start that um so it's just that family feeling which again the same kind of feeling that I had when I was training in New Zealand with uh Lolo and the team back there um with Liga and um so, yeah, that's the, probably the best thing. And the fact that Randy um such a great, great guy um, that uh, he has, you know, um, great input into the gym and um, as well as all the coaches that's there, Eric, uh, Dennis, uh, Coach Nate, um, uh, and a few other coaches that also helps with the other classes, Danny Davis and, and so on. It's really
0: awesome to see you guys, the legends, give back to the new generation, and I think that that definitely reaffirms your legacy. That's that's just badass.
1: Uh, thank you. I mean, you know, again, for me, I'm so I'm so grateful that I'm that I'm still in the game, um, coaching and 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 also uh, running a, a league with our team at PFL. I. You know, I I tell my wife all the time, I'm so blessed to do what I do because um, this is exactly what I think um, I was meant to do in my life. You know how everybody has a purpose. Everybody has a certain job that they're supposed to do. uh, Because here's the thing. My advice to you is that if you don't love what you do, then you're not doing what you're supposed to do. Right. You know, find something that uh, makes you Smile. Find something. Find something that makes you tick, um, because uh, martial arts is where my life is, and you know, you know. And then the icing on the cake is my my kids, my family, and so uh, I'm just so grateful and um, so thankful that um, the good Lord has blessed me, with, you know, with the talent, but also the ability to coach, because right. not everybody can do that, and so the ability to do that and give back, um, the ability to be able to uh, run a fight league with, with my team, it's just, you know, just absolutely amazing. And uh, I have such an amazing team at PFL as well, and uh, nothing but grateful to those guys uh, who, you know, Pete uh, Murray and, and Jim Branson and uh, George and everybody else is involved in the team, uh, Greg Savage, who's, um, our PR guy, and, and um, this is everybody involved. It's just uh, everybody. Everybody plays a part right. that allows the league to to operate um, because it's a it's a massive operation. And so, um, I'm again, I couldn't be more grateful and thankful that I do what I do every day.
0: If your kids wanted to jump into the mixed martial arts and martial arts, are you going to encourage them or there'll be some separate talks like, hey, this is what you should do?
1: Uh, Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, my son trains um, right now. He does jiu-jitsu and kickboxing with me and does jiu-jitsu with uh, the class. Uh, He's 10 years old. He loves it. Um, But I don't know if fighting is for him. Uh, It's funny, though, because my son's ever since he was three, He had always said that he wanted to be a marine biologist. And it's crazy by the age of five, he knew every kind of shark that was in the ocean and things that was in the ocean. Like, it was just amazing to me to hear him, you know, just name things and that I didn't even know existed in the ocean. You know what I mean? And so I, you know, I'm teaching him to do, to to be able to um, train and to be able to defend himself. But, I think that's his path. I think that's where he's gonna go is is, um, uh, is being this marine biologist. And I have a few friends that uh, are in the industry. And so they're awesome. Listen, whenever he's ready, we're here. And so, um, but you know, like I've also also had this talk with him that if fighting is something that he wanted to try, uh, he's gotta finish college first, get his education. And one that's done once that's done, then he can do whatever he wishes and I'm there to support him hundred percent.
0: Man, right now I'm so fired up. I want to go to your gym just to get the life lessons. you very <laughs> your head is on your shoulders and else and like even with like the obviously the fighting, the background, all that stuff, but your ability to kind of just talk and say what you say, like that's gotta be so invaluable to these students you have, the people you work with.
1: Uh, thank you for saying that, um, you know, a- again, uh, you know, I'm so thankful that I'm still able to, you know, uh, communicate and able to have conversations and uh, be able to just, um, you know, uh, think of my feet and whatnot. Uh, it's also another trait that you learn from fighting and from martial arts is that you've got to think of your think on your feet. You got to be able to adapt um, in whatever situation that's happening, and it's the same. Uh, it's funny because I was doing this webinar earlier, um, but you know, martial arts is um, it's something that I have actually also adapted in my life. Like everything I've learned, these life lessons, um, I always equate it back to uh, to martial arts because um, I've, I feel like I've dealt with any kind of Ups and downs uh, in in martial arts. That uh, in one of the questions earlier today was, Ray, where do you feel the uh, the stress more? Getting ready, uh, being in, getting ready to fight, and being in there, or in the office? I, my answer to that was that once you've experienced all the the stresses of a camp, of injury, of fighting, any other stresses minor compared to that. You know what I mean? So. Um, Again, I'm you know I'm very grateful and very thankful that um, I'm able to do what I do and be able to guide my kids that way as well because um, you know my my parents didn't have the opportunity to travel the world and that's where a lot of my educations come from. It's also traveling the world, meeting different people from all over the world, and um, and just learning as you go. And so I'm able to kind of share those experiences with my kids um, and, you know, and try and guide them the best way I can. Yeah, it's, you're,
0: it's funny that your fight now is actually in the back office. So that's kind of, uh, that's kind of cool. <laughs> so the last kind of question, you were, true or false, you were in the show of Hercules? That is, yes, I was. So how did that come about?
1: So at the age of 16, I started modeling and, and doing part-time acting. And when I say part-time acting, very small roles here and there. Uh, some were extra parts, some were, um, you know, dialogue. And I remember uh, doing that scene with, uh, I think it was Kevin Sobo was the, um, the Hercules at the time. And it was a fight scene. <laughs> and uh, he's like, great, please, whatever you do, don't knock me out. <laughs> And <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm, you know, I had I that very well. So I will just flow with, you know, with you. And, but no, it was. It's a lot of fun. So, at the age of 16, I, you know, I started doing modeling work and and doing part time, um, acting. And so that's how those little parts here and there will come up. And um, and Hercules was one of those. The other one too. You and Ernesto were in one of the seeds for the.
0: Godzilla uh, Final Wars movie.
1: It what wasn't US, was it? it was uh, Gary Goodrich.
0: Gary Goodrich, yes. So that's um, kind of a full circle thing too, where you kind of two warriors, but here you are playing two cops, kind of release a Godzilla. Funny I mean,
1: thing with that, with that it was uh, we didn't even cast for that. The actual director himself <laughs> wanted Gary and I for that for those characters. And um, so we we go in and, you know, I thought when they called, you know, when we had to go because K1 sort sort that whole thing out and um, put it together. So, you know, one day we we get a phone call and um, because we were still in Japan, I think we might have either we were there in training camp already or we had just got done competing. And so we were told that, you know, the director wanted us to uh, play these uh, two characters. Um, and so we went long, and um, we thought we were casting for it. But when we got there, the, the director's like, "No, this is the character I want you to play, and this is the character I want you to play." And just read the. Um, it's funny though because there's one other part where, um, with you know Godzilla was, uh, I think, was burning <laughs> on the building that we were in, and I was like, "Oh shit!" You know, kind of like, um, and he said, "No, no, no, you can't say this. You have to say." Oh, uh, uh, kind of you know, like that. I was it was like the worst acting ever.
0: <laughs> well I guess that kind of what we talked about earlier, that kind of comes from the K1, that culture, really appreciate you guys. Right. that's kind of his kind of little wink to you guys saying thank you. That's that's cool. That's a great, that's a great thing to be part of. Yeah, no, it was um no, it was fun.
1: It was definitely fun.
0: And so last question, where do you see the PFL in the next five years?
1: Um, Well, I see it uh, being one of the main, uh, you know, leagues in the world. I see it being one of the best. um, um, Obviously, for us, and my goal is to, you know, try and sign any top-level free agent that's available. Um, And that's the goal, you know what I mean? And, listen, there's a lot of great fighters out there, and um, there's enough to go around. And so my my goal is to uh um get pfl to be as big as the ufc and then you know continue to grow like that that's awesome well i I wish you all the success
0: you definitely you've you're inspiring and it's uh thank you awesome to talk to you and again i wish you all the success for pfl your family your health and uh hopefully you can do some more godzilla and hercules tv shows
1: Uh well I appreciate that. Thank you so much and uh thank you for having me on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.